0: Welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Uh, we had a great time down in the dungeon there, and um, it was hard. I really felt the um, spiritual, I was pushing against the um The enemy, and and but you know we had breakthroughs. So I mean, because the word always brings breakthrough in our heart, doesn't it? You, we were talking about the prophetic perspective, and we were talking about the fact that many times a prophecy will relate to the Lord Jesus Christ here um, upon the earth right now at this particular moment in time. But we saw that many times, if we look back, we see the prophetic word um, when it's first given. Then we see it fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we say, where are we right now, Lord? Because we want to see it being fulfilled right now. And then we look in the future and we see it over there. So, you know, where's over there? Over there's the second coming. Are you excited about the second coming? Okay, there was an opportunity there for you to really say, yeah! Because, guys, that's the ultimate. So when we said, where are we right now? We discovered that we were on the eve of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I said, even though we're Gentiles and we don't know a lot, we we need to just take cognizance, you know. And guys, I just want to point out that when they first had the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, Booths as in like a temporary house, like a tent, first time um, that it was generated, it was to remember that the Lord had been with them through the desert for the 40 years. Because you see I want to take it one step further and say he was tabernacled in their midst. He used to be the Shekinah glory manifest upon a mercy seat so that they knew and they had the benefit of having the cloud by day and the fiery pillar by night. They knew God. They could see the presence of God. You see? And then we had that wonderful little pickup. And I know this is summary, but I'm just getting everybody caught up, okay? But we had that wonderful little picture of Nehemiah and Ezra when they first got back to Jerusalem. And they built the wall around the city. Nehemiah had restored the wall around the city. And they said, the city is empty. Hey, but we're back in Jerusalem. Yay! Is really what they were saying. Do you know what I mean? And guys, as, as Ezra began to read the word, they realized that they were in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And so they wanted to restore everything so that they could see the manifest glory of God back in their midst. They're in Jerusalem, guys. No more out in the desert. This is now the Lord saying to them, rebuild the tabernacle. How was the tabernacle built in Jerusalem? As a temple. So rebuild the temple. And my Shekinah of will once more be manifest over the mercy seat, over the ark, within the veil. Okay, all right. So now, what we see is that, and I, I reminded everybody of this last year, last year, last week. Sorry, um, I reminded everybody of this last week. That for the um, uh, for the Israelites, for six years, they would have harvest. Because part of the Feast of Tabernacles was that it was a feast of in-gathering. And then the um, seventh year would be a year of rest for the fields. And so we see lots of parallels there, okay? So a year of, And I said to you, on, the, on the, um, the great day, the Feast of Tabernacles, the king on the seventh year, because now they didn't have any gathering in that they could celebrate... In that seventh year, on the day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the king would read out the law in the temple court. So what does Lord Jesus do? Lord Jesus, you see, now now, now here's fulfillment, alright, so that's Feast of Tabernacles in the original, all right, under Old Covenant. Lord Jesus, who lived under the Old Covenant, gosh, I'm a long way away, alright, sorry, so... um, John 7 and verse 37, it says, Now on the last day of the feast, um, the Lord called out. He'd been ministering in the Feast of Tabernacles. He'd been ministering in that temple courtyard. But on the last day of the feast, it says, He called out and He said, um, If any man is thirsty, let him come unto Me. And from his belly will flow rivers of living water. Now, this was the Lord Jesus Christ prophesying of what was going to come. And that was that we were going to have the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us. Guys, until that time, it had not happened. They had not had the comfort of the Holy Spirit living within them like we have today. And so as we were born again in the Spirit of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And we looked at those amazing scriptures last week, okay? Now, I'm picking straight up from there because we're continuing. You see, what, the, what, the, um, what this mini-series is called, as Rod said, and why don't you do a mini-series, is the restoration of the destiny of God's church, See, does God need a restoration of his destiny for the church? No, but we need it. We need a restoration of our understanding of what the destiny of the church is. And what I said to everybody last week was, many times we are so wrapped up with understanding what our destiny is, that we get totally self-centered. And what we're saying is, God, what is the destiny of your church? We want to be realigned. We want to be strategically placed so that we understand what the destiny of your church is. So that we can be joined with your heart for your church. Amen. I I want to share with you guys the only place to be. The moment that I am slightly out of kilter with the destiny of God for His church, I find that I'm not in a good place. Am I saved? Oh, you are. Am I, I, you know, uh, do I have the presence of the Holy Spirit within me? Yes, because the Holy Spirit is not nervous. So if I'm having a wobble, he just says, come on, girl, come on, girl. And he tries to get me to get an understanding from the Scriptures and from his precious Holy Spirit as to what he's saying to me so that I can get realigned. And guys, I just want to say, we've got to be totally lined up with exactly what God's heart is um, for his church. And so, I want us to come to um, Ephesians chapter 1, because if we are going to be talking about the destiny of God's church being restored, in brackets, in our hearts, (laughs) you know, I I heard something um, that touched my heart, and that that was William Wilberforce, who... um, just tirelessly worked for the um, abolition of slavery. Um, that he he caused a complete change in the atmosphere over London by saying we should all be kind toward each other. So on the tube, on the bus, be kind toward one another, and it makes a difference, guys. Do you practice it? You know, because sometimes we get a bit abuffed, a rebuffed, not abuffed rebuffed by somebody we're we're being kind to them and they they kind of look at us as if to say oh please, you know, push off push off what's funny is if you see that same person again, I practice it at the bus stop if you see that same person again the next time they're actually ready for you to say hello to them so that they can say hello back be kind to one another you see, so it is amazing how we can just, you know, make a change now that's that's From the light, what we were singing about earlier. The light shining forth kind of thing, okay? Letting the Holy Spirit shine forth from our lives. Guys, we're talking about a much bigger thing here. The destiny of God's church. What is it so that we can be a real to it? That's what we're saying here this morning, okay? And so in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians is just beautiful, but I want you to come down. To verse 18, with Philip, uh, Philip, not Philip, Paul. Sorry, wrong P. Philip, no, Paul. Sorry, says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, not your calling, his calling. Can you can you hear the little adjustments, guys? We're just moving away from self, and we're saying, God, what is the desire of your heart for your church, and I'm part of it. Amen. And so it goes on and it says, um, um, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the, 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 the working of the strength of his might. Are you hearing who we're beginning to speak about? Hey, Holy Spirit. And it goes on, which he brought about in Christ Jesus. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but in the one to come, and he has put all things into subjection under the feet of Jesus and has given him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, there are a couple of things there. Oh, there are many things there. We haven't got time to go through all of them, okay? But you heard me pushing that. Can you hear the Holy Spirit being spoken of there? The fullness, the greatness, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was raised from the dead. We're speaking of Jesus. We're speaking of the Father's heart. The Father's destiny for Christ was that he would be victorious and that he would be raised and he would be seated at his right hand, that he might be the head of the church. And I just think that we've got a big adjustment to make here. We need to keep Jesus as the head of the church in front of us all the time, guys. Amen. He has then given authority to men to, you know, sort of organize local churches and all the rest of it. But God, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Messiah, the anointed one, he is the head of the church. And if we're talking about our destiny in the church, we better get this right. Because Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. And then what I absolutely love, because oh no, hang on, hang on, hang on, I nearly forgot something. Did you hear a Trinity statement again in those couple of verses? Four or five verses, all Trinity, Father's will. Holy Spirit raising Jesus from the dead after he had totally committed his life to his Father and said, you know, if if this is the way, God, then I do it. I will be the sacrificial lamb. I will shed my blood that these may be drawn to your heart. Amen? So... John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through the Son. The cost was the blood of Jesus. The cost was the life of Jesus. The cost was Jesus laying down His will. Perfect in all things. Could have just gone straight to heaven and saying, I choose, Lord, to go your way that we might draw the Beloved to our heart. Amen. So, A trinity statement big time but then verse 23 head of of all things to the church which is body the fullness of him who fills all in all and so what we're now finding is that the Lord is saying and and this is Paul telling us about it and and remember he had revelations from God This this is the Lord saying the completeness of the church Yes, my son is the head. But then his body is the beloved who have received the power of the blood and be cleansed. Isn't that amazing? And so within the Trinity statement, we start to creep in. Now, you know those funny little diagrams I had last week, you know, that looked like figures of eight, where I was saying, you know, here's the father with the son. Here's the son with the father. Here's the father and the son. With the Holy Spirit. He has the Father and the Son with us. You know, it was just amazing, to us to see the word. Because each of those little funny drawings was based on a verse out of John 14. And we, and we just see that God's desire is that the trinity, you know, be manifest through us. And so I want us to go to Colossians chapter 2 and have a look quickly at that amazing statement in verse 9. Where it says... For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Isn't that just amazing? Hey, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells within us. And so, I just wanted us to see that, but we're going straight back to Ephesians. So, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And in Ephesians 2, because, you know, sometimes we hear these things and we think, gosh, Lord, maybe um, I'm not quite there yet, so maybe I've still got a bit of way to go. No, 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 we are there. So, in Ephesians 2, it begins with an amazing statement, which really makes us feel good. And you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. And you think, uh uh-oh. You know, we're going back there, but only for two seconds just to remind us because it says, you know, um, verse 4 but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace we've been saved and I think that Some of our scriptures say by grace we've been saved, you know, by faith, you know. And he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, there's another Trinity statement. It's Father God who has raised us up to be seated with him in heavenly places. When is this? When we die? No, it is now. Amen. Amen. So, the moment that we are born again in the Spirit of God, that's our position in Christ. And sometimes we look at that and say, no, 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 that's just too far out for us. You know, I know what I did this morning um, maybe yelled at one of the kids uh, with a little bit too much fervor. um, Or, you know, you you just, you know what it's like, guys, life, hey? But what we've got to do is we've just got to keep um, ourselves totally um, sort of cleansed in the name of Jesus, you know, just washed by his blood. That's why. It's so good for us every now and then just to have communion and just be rewashed, you know, as we as we come before the Lord and just say, Father, you know what's happened since the last time I took communion, and I just want to be washed, Lord, I, I want the cleansing of your nature, the cleansing of your blood, Lord Jesus, to wash and to, you know, just kind of set me free, okay? So guys, our position in Christ, that's the position we pray for, you know? I'm seated in heavenly places with you, Lord. Now, the desire of your heart that I might pray it from that position of being seated in heavenly places. I can see some of the prayer for parliament folk here. And, and you know, who would have believed when we were praying back two years ago when I was, well, I don't know if it's two years, three years. But I, I can just remember having things up on the wall and praying about the current situation with um, the prime minister of that day, and discovering that his wife was the one who was pushing for um, equality and well they call it equality in marriage—you it's, it's, know, it's totally unscriptural—and and and we were just saying, Father, in Jesus' name, we trust you. We trust you for the right um, king and queen. We trust you for the right prime minister. We trust you, Lord. And I mean, things happened so fast, I could not believe it. And boom everything was turned around. And here was Theresa May as the Prime Minister. And and guys, I want to share with you, we have got to pray for this dear lady, because she is facing an onslaught second to none. Because the men are happy that she's like a sacrificial lamb, that's what they think. But she's God's representative, and we need to pray for her to come through with the understanding of what God wants. Amen. And so, um, it's not what man says. I couldn't that Tony Blair had the cheek to tell us that we should all go back and do another um, what do we call those things that we did in June? Referendum. Who is he? He's been to, he's been, you know, I mean he's a past Prime Minister, guys. He has been over to France to speak to President Huland Prime Minister Huland, I can't remember which one he is but Mr Huland, okay and has come back and said oh, it's going to be very difficult for Britain That is totally unscriptural. You know, even in this country, which is based on democracy, what the people have decreed is what we accept. You know, we talk about third party. uh, I mean, third. um, What what do they always want to say about if you are um, supposed to be a sophisticated um, uh, community? Then they say we are first. What? First world. That's it. First world. Thank you, Cynthia last week it was the spoon of honey this week it's (laughs) it's the terminology (laughs) but you know we sort of say oh third world look they won't accept what the outcome of the election is and that's what's happening in front of our noses no we say no to that in jesus name amen amen but i digress because we're talking about the restoration of the destiny of god aren't we Okay, so now we know where we are. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, amen? And whose will was that? It was Father's will. How are we ever going to be seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God? Because of the Holy Spirit who is within us, amen? We are sealed, guys. Do you know that scripture? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's just there. Let's go and find it. Come on. Uh, Let me just find it, find it, find it, find it, find it. There we are. Verse 13. Uh, You don't know where I am. Chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Having believed in Christ, that you were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given to us as a pledge of our inheritance. Oh, my, my, my. Do you know that my relationship with the Lord Holy Spirit has changed completely since I began to call Him Lord? Lord Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell in me. Lord Holy Spirit, I desperately need your guidance. You know, because we know that the Lord Holy Spirit doesn't want the glory. He wants Jesus to get the glory. That's what we read in John 14, 15, and 16. He does not want the glory but because he's still our Lord. He's still a part of the Trinity. And we need to see that. And just thank the Lord for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So when I say thank the Lord, I'm saying thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the release of the Holy Spirit. That the Lord Holy Spirit may be your representative in my heart. That I might shine forth your light and your glory here upon the earth. Amen. Amen. Okay. See, can you see that it's very difficult to differentiate between the destiny of God's church, if you've got the head of the church right in the right place, and your destiny in God? Because you will be so enthused, you will be so, all those things that we were singing in that song, you know, ablaze with that knowledge that Father God has desired that the Holy Spirit be living through us. Amen? Ooh, just glorious. So now we're going to Ephesians 5. And in Ephesians 5, it so as you are walking, guys, would you remember that Lord Holy Spirit is the pledge in your heart of your inheritance? So, you know, when the enemy tries to take you out, no, 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 no. The pledge of my Father's inheritance is Lord Holy Spirit who lives within me. And that's our position in Christ, guys. Here upon the earth, my position in Christ is Lord Holy Spirit lives within me. The abiding presence of God. That's what we saw yet last week. You know, And now what we're saying is, um, what's my position in terms of the understanding that the enemy needs to have? It is that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He does not like that. And so when we know that we are just going to get that restoration right, ooh, he will try to bring everything against what is going on. And so, you know, as Angela said earlier today, smell the devil when, you know, when the equipment was giving us a go. All right. So Ephesians 5. Now I'm going to go to a scripture, verse 22. And I've got to say to you that we are shockers. You know, whenever we need to know how husbands and wives need to behave towards each other, out comes Ephesians 5. And, and you know that I, I was I was chatting to the Lord. When I say chatting to the Lord, that sounds very very um, disrespectful. I don't mean it like that. I was just I was just meditating, you know, just meditating and thinking, Lord, I actually need to just ask you to cleanse me in terms of my approach to Ephesians five, because for so many years it gets used. Now I know the guys also get it, but the girls get it, hey? Submit, oh glory. This is quite tough when you're a strong character. Do you know what I mean? Submit and, you know, just like, and be respectful toward, you know, it reminds me of school, you know. You be respectful to your teachers. Line up! (laughs) Oh dear. And then the guys get it. The guys get it. Because the guys are told, you've got to love your wives. You call that The most passive man on the face of the earth. (laughs) Oh, so much damage gets done with Ephesians 5. When we get cross with it. Okay? So now, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name. Lord, Holy Spirit, strip us. We don't want to look at this Ephesians 5 section with any kind of... You know, Lord, the hurts from the past, the way it's been used in the past, where it's caused scars... We, we don't want any of that, Lord. We just want to see, Lord Jesus, how do you view your church? That's what we want to see, Jesus. Amen. So I just believe now we're released. All right, we're released. We can talk about how we should behave toward each other, you know. I don't, I, yeah, never mind, never mind. Let's go back, okay? So verse 22. Um, no, we won't stop there. We'll start on verse 23. <laughs> I've got to start there now, because otherwise it's not the fullness of Scripture, is it? <laughs> Wives, be subject to your husbands as unto the Lord, is what that Scripture says. a beautiful Scripture, guys. Absolutely beautiful. Dear Peter Billingham, I used to sometimes say to him, Okay, brother, you lead us. I'll be subject as unto the Lord. And I heard once of um, uh, Bob Mumford's wife. And they'd had a barney, and he'd, been, he'd cut across her and all the rest of it. And his, his, what he had to say was more important than what she had to say. And because he had a sense of humor, that often would happen, you know. And, 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 and he had to take, I don't know, his daughter or some, somebody, he had to take them in the car. And on the way back, now he's got nobody to talk to. And he's saying, God, I messed up. I just spoke right across Judith, her name was Judith or Judy, And he said, I've hurt her, and and Lord, you're going to have to help me, because I've got to go back, and and I I really want to love my wife, Lord, and and, and I've just messed up. And he said, when he opened the door, and she realized that he had come in, she came before him, and she curtsied, and she said, my Lord... (laughs) Now, there are two people with just the most amazing senses of humor. Do you know what I mean? Oh, dear me. (laughs) It put him on the spot. (laughs) Okay, so now, I want us to look at verse 23. Because all the way through these few verses, I'm wanting us to see this in terms of Jesus, the head of the church. Amen? Amen? Jesus, the head of the church. If we want to see the destiny of God's church, we've got to be able to work with God in terms of ensuring that Jesus is restored as the head of the church. Amen? And it's got to start in the hearts of the people first, guys. Okay? Okay. So, Christ is the head of the church. Verse 23. He himself being the saviour of the body. See, the body is the neck down, isn't it? See, if, you, if we're talking that image. okay. The saviour just gave his life that the church might be one from darkness and the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Um. And then I want you to drop down to verse 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church. Now here's another one of those amazing Trinity statements. Lord Jesus not only lays down his life for the church because of his great love for us, but it goes on and it says that he washes, with the word, washes her, that he might present to himself the church in that beautiful, glorified, cleansed, holy state. See, so... What we are seeing is the unity of Father and Christ in that aspect. So Jesus came down to lay down his life, to shed his blood, to declare legally that anybody who put faith in his blood would be one with him, cleansed, washed, restored, restored. Lord Jesus that he might present himself to the church sorry, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless see when you've got a the, a, 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 a theki covenant T H E K I, it's a Greek word it just and I'm only using it because I'm trying to show you the difference a theki covenant is between two equal partners. So any husband and wife here today, when you cut covenant as you get married, you are two theki partners. But when God cuts covenant with us, it is called a diatheki covenant. And I know you've heard um, Rod speak of it, okay? So when God cuts covenant with us, he has a challenge because not equal partners. And so to get us upgraded, if you like. It sounds like a computer, doesn't it? But to get us upgraded, we need to be washed and cleansed. And so Jesus, in his great love for the church, is wanting us to be cleansed and to be restored and to be sanctified and made holy so that we can be joined as two equal partners. But the equality from our side is simply our faith in what the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Isn't that just amazing, guys? And, and that Lord Jesus is so excited about his church. You know, in, in Revelation, when we see Christ coming back to fetch the church, he talks about us being his bride. And we're the bride of Christ and, and the delight in his heart. And, and what we're seeing here is that he's made sure that she's washed and ready. That she is without spot and without wrinkle. Now I want to tell you something. I'm getting to the stage where I find wrinkles all the time. You know, so it's quite, it's quite daunting, guys. You can't do anything about it, you know, regardless of what they say. You can put cream on your face, but I mean, ultimately, you're just delaying the wrinkles. You know, without spot, without blemish, without wrinkles. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't sign up to this is crazy, guys. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, but thank you for your fun. And so husbands ought to love their wives. Verse 29. He nourishes, Jesus, he nourishes and cherishes his church. And isn't that just glorious? Amen. And so I just wanted to present that to you, That you enjoy that. So, you know, that's where we are as the body of Christ. Good place to be, guys. Good place to be. Amen. So then I want to take you to the next step. And that, you know, because I'm just saying, where are we now? We're seated in Christ, in heavenly places. Amen. The abiding presence of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're His church. Oh, He loves us so much. Come on. Come to Revelation chapter 1. Can't leave this out. Oh, my, my, my. Ah, thank you, Jesus. So now this is a bit of a, this is a, bit of a, a, a thing, because I just, I'm just aware of where we are as a nation, and in the global picture as well. Okay? Because if, if we are the delight of the Lord, if we are the apple of his eye, and, and, and I know I'm pinching that from the Jewish people, but the Jewish people are the apple of God's eye, and I'm just saying, Father, you've made room for us. And so we're, we're joined to apples, Lord, we're, Well, you know, I'm trying to fall over that one. But you know, you know what I'm saying, huh? God gets great delight. So, hallelujah. Now, here's Jesus again. And guys, are you seeing all the time the Trinity? Every time that the Lord speaks about the destiny of his church, he has got the Trinity threading its way through in the most glorious way. Okay. And so I want you to look at verse 5. Because John is receiving this amazing revelation. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his blood. Because we've got to talk about the blood of Jesus more because that's what releases us, amen? And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Behold, he's coming on the clouds and every eye shall see him. Just had to add that in, just so that you could remember that, okay? But did you see it? We are a kingdom of priests. Okay, priests, priestesses, don't get hung up by the gender thing, okay? Okay. But we are a kingdom of priests. So the king of the kingdom is the Lord Jesus Christ, head of the church. The body, we believers, are the priests unto the Lord. Now, now that does not mean that we need to get a white hammock on. Hammock. No, not a hammock. Hassock got that wrong word again. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Thank you, Sheila. Hassock. You know the, the, the priest wear? Usually, we, you know what we do when, when there's going to be a water baptism? People get the white robes out. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with that. Guys, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just my sense of humor. Okay? You can get, you can get baptized in water in a swimming costume. Okay? And and, and, and God loves it. I remember pe- baptizing people up in the, um, the rural areas we'd have to chase the cows I've got photos of them chase the cows out the dam first and then we'd go and do the baptisms. so that was in real faith because you knew eh? <laughs> you knew what was in that water <laughs> oh my goodness but you see because we want to do things in faith unto God and boy does God honour remember Nehemiah they restore the feast of Tabernacle to rejoice Well, to, 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 to honour God And and the joy broke out. I mean, look at this morning. The joy broke out. Oh, it's so glorious, so glorious, guys. And now here's the joy. See, we're going to be priests unto God. That means serve. Okay. And and this is a church that has a serving mentality. And but there's some of us that are outside of it, and we need to get into it. You know, when, when we were running Bible College, there was a split in the church. Great, great train. And, well, when I say a split in the church, it wasn't so much a split. It was one lot that thought that they should move off. And they did. And they established a Bible school as well. And so we ended up with two Bible schools. Now, now guys, I'm not saying this in any kind of um, pr- proud or haughty way. You've got to hear that. Because it, I mean, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. Okay? But one of the men... Um, In a a town, say, uh, 25 miles away, used to send his um, young people to the two Bible colleges based on where they wanted to go. So, you know, did they go the shorter distance or did they come the longer distance to us? And this is what he said. I'm just quoting him. He said, what we have noticed is those that have been to the Bible school of like Church B don't have the same attitude as the ones who come from the Bible school that's attached to Church A now that, that was our lot you know the, the, the original Bible college and he said they seem to have a desire to serve more, and they, they're not as full of themselves now I found that a great testimony for our Bible college I was just rejoicing and, and I didn't know how that had happened, except that I would say that the, the leadership of the Bible College all desired to serve. And so we used to serve. Now, now what I'm going to say to you now is the nature of this nation is a class system. And I don't know what to call it, but, you know, people, some people think that they're more posh than others, okay? Now, that's not good, guys. So, the, the, firstly, there's a cultural thing that we've got to come against, Okay? But now we've got this other thing that's come through media. And that's the celeb mentality. I want to be a celebrity. If I can just be a celebrity, then that's the... Oh, no, 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 no. If I can be a servant of the Lord. Amen. If I can be a priest, part of the kingdom of priests, unto the Lord. Amen. So we're coming against two cultures. And the one is specific. Not specific, but there's one culture that is here that we've got to stand against. I mean, it hasn't really got much of a choice in this church. (laughs) We are such a diverse bunch, aren't we? Huh? Uh, You know, I can remember the old days when we were in the other church back in 2007 or so. We'd say, how many nations have we got here? And there was something like 17 or 18 in the church. And so, no wonder we call Commonwealth, you know, Commonwealth Church Fellowship. Is that working for CCF. Commonwealth Church Fellowship. Yeah, we're one of the vineyards. And I'm not doing that in... I'm just saying, we're a vineyard. Okay, we're one of the vineyards. Okay, we're one of the pockets. Okay. And I believe that as we are a, a, a priesthood unto the Lord. What joy, what joy. Now, have a look, and then I promise, it's done. Oh, five minutes over. Yeah, but this isn't my fault. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, it is my fault. I'll stop shortly. <laughs> we just get a few more scriptures in here. <laughs> so Revelation 1 and verse 12. Because John is just unbelievably blessed out of his boots on that island of Patmos, okay? I mean, all of us long for this kind of experience, okay? Okay. I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat, and I'm going to say, let's go to the end of the, verse, of, the, of the little session. I want you to come down to verse 20. Jesus says to John, as for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay, so now let's go back. I turned, verse 12, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand, he had seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He just got totally slain in the spirit, guys. And he said... Um, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write these things, John. Now, guys, what I just want to say is, that position has not changed. You know our position in Christ? We see that at the right hand of God, Christ's position as the head of the church, he's in the center of the lampstands. We're one of the lampstands, guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yay! And the glory is that in that position of being one of the lampstands, and Christ is at the center of all of the lampstands, there's such joy and such security. We don't have to look at the church down the road and say, you're doing things the wrong way. Why? Because we're all different, unique lampstands. the head of the church, and that we are joined to him by the presence of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Aren't we a joy-filled people this day, amen? So what joy that we get from his word, what joy we got from praising him and entering into worship this morning, just such a blessing, Lord Jesus, to be a part of your church, so, Father, my prayer is that every single one of us would adjust ourselves. I, I, I came through with a trite little three R's about two days ago, you know. Ah, realignment, restoration, revival. The arrows in between, guys. Ah, did you pick that up? Realignment of who Jesus is, the destiny of the church. Therefore, restoration, Lord, restore us. Because, Lord, we want to see revival break out. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.